Hello everyone, welcome to the Pharmacy Magazine Talking Covid podcast where we look back at developments in pharmacy over the past week or so. Uh, This is our 11th edition of the pod and as always a lot seems to have happened so there's plenty to talk about. My name is Richard Thomas, I'm the editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Joining me on the pod this week is Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy Magazine, and Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News. Uh, Neil Trainis is off this week. Rumours that he's on the run from the Department of Health heavies after last week's Hancock rant are, so far, unconfirmed. So, welcome chaps. All well, Rob? How was your week off last week? My week off was very nice, Richard. I think I picked the right week to be off. With the weather and all, although I spent quite a lot of it sitting in sitting in queues outside of the house the Hampshire household um, refuse centre, which was very very busy. I've got to go this weekend. Was it miserable then? Were you there a long time? No, interestingly, I I thought I'll get there for when it opens, and the queues was horrend- were horrendous. It was slightly better, sort of two or three hours in, as I was coming out again. And I'm not exaggerating, a couple of hours, the first time I went, it was a couple of hours, I have to say. So take a novel. (laughs) Take a novel. Okay, I will do that. I'll take Neil's novel, um, if I could get my hands on it. What about you, Arthur? Busy week for us on Pharmacy Magazine. We've been going to press this week, but uh, how are things your end? Yeah, all's well in East London. Um, Things have sort of chilled out. I mean, we've had such dreary weather that it it feels a bit quiet. The past few weekends were so sunny, it felt like, you know, People were in that kind of mood that lockdown was over, whereas I, I think it's uh, straight back into it now. Straight back in. OK, so coming up, uh, it's good week, bad week. And later in our interview slot, uh, we talk to the wonderful Ali Sparks, the award-winning owner of the health dispensary in Neath, South Wales. Uh, she was on top form and it's well worth a listen. Lots of interesting things Ali had to say about coping with the COVID crisis and in particular uh, mental health as well. So, as I say, it's been a busy week. Uh, We've run stories on what is claimed to be the first pharmacy antibody testing service in Jersey. I think we'll be talking about that later on in the pod. We've seen Scottish pharmacies rolling out video consultations and the Brexit drugs stockpile is running out, apparently. But it's test and trace and face coverings that are top of the agenda. New PPE guidance is on its way, apparently. And the NHSE... It's been absolutely explicit in stating that NHS staff are subject to the same test and trace self-isolation rules as any other member of the public. So we'll be keeping an eye on that this week. But let's start with good week. Um, Who's had a good week? I'll kick off here. I think, for me, it's been a very good week for Anna Vakili. Now, I know you two are avid fans of Love Island, but for those of our listener demographic who might not be, so Anna is a pharmacist and a former Love Island contestant. Now, Anna, who re-registered as a pharmacist in April uh, to help the COVID response, so well done to her for that, she posted a video on social media uh, encouraging the public to support their local pharmacies, and it gained over 250,000 views in the first 24 hours. I think it's on 277,000 now, uh, as I looked at it this morning, uh, which is Thursday. So they're Those are figures that us old crusties in pharmacy communications can only dream about. So well done, Anna, for spreading the pharmacy message, 
to the parts that conventional PR strategies just don't reach. She's got 1.2 million followers on Instagram, for goodness sake. Uh, Well done to the MPA as well for coming up with the idea. So good week for me, for Anna Vakili. Rob, who's had a good week for you? Well, popping into my inbox this morning, Richard, was this risk assessment tool from the PDA. Reducing the risk of COVID-19 in the community pharmacy. And I have to say, you know, this is the kind of material that actually, you know, really does stand out. It's clear. It's logical. It's extremely practical. And I thought, fair play, you know, one or two other organisations should be looking at this and thinking, why didn't we come up with something like that? Fantastically well-referenced at the back which I think is always important. Um, the only little, the only tiny gripe I've got with it is, I think it would have been an even better document if it hadn't had all the campaigny little bits in there, which are, which are going to just put one or two people off reading through the next bit. Um, but well, well done, fair play. I mean, I just think it's a you know a, 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 an example of what pharmacy support organisations uh, do for their members, you know, top draw. So well done to the PDA. Yeah, I read that this morning. It is very clear and comprehensive, isn't it? And it, it's coming out at a good time as well, I think, as we as we ease out of lockdown. So yeah, well done, PDA. Arthur, who's had a good week for you? Yeah, you did mention it there that uh, a pharmacy in Jersey, LV Pharmacy, says it's the first to... Uh, to launch an antibody testing service with sort of other pharmacies on the island. So definitely a significant development because, as you know, PSNC England, in England is talking about potentially launching a, ser- a commission service where pharmacies would provide antibody testing. Um, so it's significant and um, it could help, you know, build more uh, data about the spread of the virus. I think they have to tread a little bit carefully because they seem to be launching it with businesses in mind and businesses who want to get staff back into the workplace, whereas I don't think that use case has yet um, been proven that, you know, if somebody has antibodies, they, they're safe to go back to work. I don't think that's proven yet. So they have to tread a little bit more carefully about how they sell it to businesses. Yeah, that, that does look an interesting scheme. And we, we, we will be keeping tabs on that as well going forward. Like you say, Arthur, there'll be, there'll be a lot of learnings there. Um, and a lot of innovation seen, uh, shown by the pharmacies on Jersey to get that scheme up and down, up and running. So, yeah, a good week for them. So it's time for our interview slot. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of talking to Ali Sparks. Now, Ali is the owner of the health dispensary in Neath, an absolutely gorgeous looking pharmacy there, which has picked up a hatful of awards, actually. Now, Ali's far too modest to say, but she's a two-time finalist of the Welsh Woman of the Year. And we had a great chat about dealing with the challenges of COVID and looking after the mental health of both her team and her customers and patients. And this is what she had to say. Well, thanks, Ali, for coming on to the pod. I'm delighted to have the chance to, to chat to you today. Uh, you have a gorgeous pharmacy in Neath, South Wales. So tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah, sure, Richard. It's, it's a delight to, to, to be here as well. Um, so, yeah, 2016, we sort of created this new brand, The Health Dispensary, um, which is actually about 500 yards from where I was born uh, in Neath. Uh, I've 
own pharmacies now for uh, 30 years but I guess this was the culmination of my whole story I think as, as a person and as a pharmacist um, and wanted to create something that reflected a little bit of my story and, and journeys so um, it looked a little crazy at the start um, we wood clad the whole place knocked uh, all sorts of bits off the building and but the whole theme really was to sort of integrate pharmacy with our wellness clinic next door um, so the clinic we'd opened 2012 um, but it's a little bit difficult running them as separate entities really um, so we want to, to sort of integrate the whole field so that people who came in with NHS prescriptions could also see there are other things they could access um, so we have a range of services from acupuncture to osteopathy um, counselling has become increasingly popular over the years um, you know alongside our common ailment scheme and all the NHS services we offer as well. Well it's a beautiful pharmacy the appearance the appearance of it is really nice um, and it's obviously an important part of your your local community as well isn't it? Yeah very, very much community based um, as I say I'm literally a, a stone's throw from from where I was born as a as a melon girl um, so there's a lot of people here that you know my my parents have known and know obviously as I um would like to say sort of get older but as I progress in my career you know I'm now dealing with uh, grandkids of of people that I dealt with so back in the early days um so yeah it's got a real true community feel and really the whole ethos of of the brand and what we do is very much about relationship rather than transaction and that's why we went for the very wood comforting social feel so when people come in sometimes they say oh it's like a nice, nice coffee shop or a bar or you know and um, we almost wanted them to feel like that so they feel that they want to spend time with us and build that relationship that um, will we'll sort of we will walk alongside them really through life um, whilst maintaining the fact that a lot of our consult rooms and everything else are obviously still fit for purpose and clinically kitted out um, the social space as we, we call it is 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 there to sort of foster that um, relationship so what's your experience of the covid crisis been like over the, the last few months <laughs> um well it's certainly been a roller coaster of emotion. Um, it all happened so quickly, didn't it? You know, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of pharmacists out there feeling exactly the same. Um, you know, we, we we sort of watched it progress early days, but then when the GP surgeries effectively closed, the the sort of onslaught from that was enormous. Um, so okay, we talk about prescription volume and added work. Um, for me, the greatest difficulty was dealing with people's panic, um, people's fears, people's emotions, um, such that our phone call volume, I mean, went, went through the roof. Um, our phone company couldn't believe it. They said, well, you're, you're like a small call centre. So at times we were near in a thousand calls a day, um, which is fairly unmanageable. <laughs> um, uh, and apart from that, you know, it was the emails, the texts, people were just trying to find any way to make contact with a human health professional, I guess. Um, so that was that was the biggest thing, was dealing with the emotions and the most tiring thing. And the, um, I guess, coming from a background of um, 
you know, always putting innovation at the forefront and certainly always striving for excellence. I found that the most challenging, the fact that we couldn't, we, we had to now try and adapt to um, sort of giving a service that served, but, but maybe not as excellent as we were used to um, because we just had to, had to deal with that volume. So that was a constant challenge, um, in some ways very exciting, but ultimately, um, you know, quite, quite draining emotionally and mentally and physically. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, did you feel you were supported by the Welsh government through this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't suppose there's many people who can sort of pick up the phone to the chief pharmaceutical officer and say, I'm, I'm worried and they actually have the time to speak to you. So huge kudos for that. You know, um, one of the first things I said was, you know, I'm really worried financially because you know you, you just initially from volume you could see the costs we'd not long bought a new business as well um so this is going to be quite a tight year for us anyway to, to have all these added costs and obviously the stock and you can see the prices going up um but in fairness andrew evans was um had a real sort of human approach actually and said look ali you know we were gonna put that advance there for you so you know we, we can get through this um and you know we had a visit from from community pharmacy wales so their sort of early days i think they were there trying to sort of help and support um you know down down the line yeah we can still be critical obviously with the nhs with big government it takes them a longer time to get things out i, I did and still do feel that we if we'd sort of been given some autonomy to act ourselves we could have had things in place regarding volunteer deliveries sort of week one um whereas you know we've had to wait into sort of week six and um but you know i i, I guess that's the, the difficulties they deal with as well so i think i was mindful of, of the parameters they have to play with <laughs> as well as us so yeah i did feel um you know, as, as a business, as an individual, you sort of did slightly feel thrown to the wolves in those initial days, but at least it was nice to have that sort of human contact and, and, and backup in the sense that they were at least trying to support, you know. Yeah, it did seem to us from the outside anyway, looking in that the uh, the Welsh government acted kind of quickly and decisively really in terms of putting in place measures to support pharmacy at, at the absolute height of the of the crisis so it was good that, that you felt supported and you mentioned it's been a draining uh, but actually uh, inspiring perhaps few months that you've had to, to deal with and that you've piloted yourself through are there any positive aspects then to um, the last few months that you've learned or that you'll take forward in your business yeah absolutely i mean we i suppose we were quite well blessed because again innovation sort of being our a key word we had a lot of things in place that we could utilize so it was almost a matter of sort of like mobilizing the troops and mobilizing the resources rather than starting from scratch so i do count myself sort of quite fortunate i've had those sort of in place already um the positives huge amount of team building i mean i cannot credit my teams at the health dispensary and the pharmacy enough they've been amazing you know and, and, and sort of put in the hours uh, put in the effort and everybody's pulled together um, outside of that as well we've built much stronger relationships with the surgeries a couple of them particularly have been very supportive um, even to the point of you know popping into us and giving us the odd sort of 
you know, motivational chat and sort of thanking us for our efforts and, you know, the cakes and chocolates and everything else that are great for motivation, but not so much for the waistline. Um, <laughs> but um, huge lessons on, on, on that. Um, and, you know, there's aspects of, again, we've always been in business that has tried to plan because we're, we're a little bit different to, to the norm here. We're not sort of sat next to next door to a doctor's surgery so we've always had to think about how we manage our repeat prescriptions um, and how we manage our workload so everything really has sort of been very much appointment based in the past we had to almost flip ourselves on the head now and just deal with the queues and deal with the transactions um, and sort of do them as quickly as we can so in many ways we've become um, not only a bit more efficient in doing that but also realized ourselves that you can almost set yourself a false ceiling, you know, of, of where you are. And we, I think we surprised ourselves with how much work we've actually been able to do. Um, and that's sort of quite exciting for the future in a way, because again, it takes you out of, you know, we all settle into our comfort zones, even me. And not many people would say that about me, Richard, because I'm always trying to do sort of new things and always trying to change things. But nevertheless, we all settle into our own little boxes. And this has just blown the box apart, really, hasn't it? You know? yeah. yeah, that's a, that's such a good point. I mean, I think they say never waste a good crisis, don't they? But I think that the pace of change and, and innovation that we, we've seen in pharmacy and across all aspects of society, actually, has been a, a positive uh, element of the, of the COVID crisis, that's for sure. You write a lot about uh, wellness and, and, and mental health, and it's obviously a, uh, it's a key part of your business how important is it in these difficult times for pharmacy and actually in normal times too that we support our teams in terms of their their mental health and well-being and actually then extend that to our communities as well? Yeah, massively important. Again, I think it was 2012 I, I did a coaching um, diploma because um, I've always been quite interested in, in positive psychology um, and quite openly as many people had sort of struggles with you know depression and as we call it mental health in the past so um the coaching qualification i did i did a whole lot of new skills um because you have to self-coach yourself first before you can sort of deal with other people and um i, I sort of felt quite passionately the skills i'd learned should almost be sort of taught from infant school level because you know Traditionally, we haven't got sort of taught those. So we've, again, integrated that into the business. Um, we've always tried to sort of put, push positive messages out into the community as well. And I think the people that deal with our pharmacy now are not just customers. You know, they're almost like an extended family. And I, th I think they sort of appreciate that positivity and sense of can do and you know hopefully that rubs off um but also more, more formally the last sort of uh two years we invested in a phd student um and, and looking at how um we could actually have sort of mental health interventions and operate those within community community pharmacy so as a research um project um so we sort of entitled that prescribing happiness but of course this year when it's all going live COVID-19 happened which meant suddenly people can't come in you know um, so Jen a lovely uh, student that's, that's doing it with Cardiff uh, Met University um, had to then redesign that you know so now we're able to offer it online um, and that, again that's sort of quite an exciting thing for 
for the future to sort of see how that develops. But again, you know, you, you might not be able to help thousands of people with that, but you know, if, if it helps one, if it helps 10, if it helps 12, if they develop the skills to look at life more positively, even in sort of possibly the darkest of days, uh, you know, it will rub off into their family and their friends and hopefully snowball. Ali, that's such a, a positive way to, to, to end the interview. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. I think you're doing some tremendous stuff, uh, innovative stuff down in Wales, in Neath. And when all this is over, I'll, I'll come down and, and visit the pharmacy and have a chat with you person to person, face to face to see what you're up to, because uh, there's clearly some fantastic work you're doing down there. So Ali, thanks again for joining us on the pod. That'll be great. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Cheers, Richard. So that was such an enjoyable chat. I found it really uplifting. It was great learning about how Ali tackled the COVID crisis and tried hard to make it a positive experience for her team at the wellness clinic and the local community too. And well-being is such a focus for Ali and the whole business is set up around it really to encourage people and to inspire people, I suppose, to think and to feel better so, so their world becomes a more healthy, happy and hopeful place. And I think she managed to do that, even through the depths of the COVID crisis, which I think is quite some achievement. So thanks once again to Ali Sparks. So let's do bad week next. Uh, Art, who's had a, a bad week for you? Uh, Rose has had a funny week, hasn't it? There was that, uh, it came, came up on Twitter last Friday that they'd uh, told their locums to bring their own PPE to work. Rollins will not be providing this. Um, and obviously there was uproar about that because people felt they weren't um, uh, doing their best to look after people who are working in their premises, whether they're a full-time employee or not. Um, and they seem to have, uh, so that seems to have been their official position, but then they seem to have revised that over the weekend. And then on, I think it was on Sunday, there was another statement, we've updated our locum agreement, uh, XYZ has changed, we will now provide PPE. Um, so that's, you know, a positive development and, you know, a good learning for uh, any, any other uh, multiple in the same position. Um, I thought their, uh, their line on it was a little bit amusing that it was re the result of confusion. There was some confusion about, about uh, locums being told to bring their own PPE. Well, <laughs> I mean, it seems like it was pretty explicit, but there you go. But, but with a good outcome then, Arthur, by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the power of social media, maybe, because I think this broke on a, on a Friday afternoon or something. It obviously ran over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, there it, it was a lot of activity on, on, on Twitter. Um, but a good outcome, like I say, at the end. And, and people seem happy enough with that, which is good. Uh, Rob, who's had a bad week for you? Well, I think like, uh, like at least half the population, I'm looking forward to the return of some forms of sport, Richard. <laughs> and uh, I was having a chat with a, uh, online with a, an old friend of mine who said that in some respects, racing on the racing without a crowd is, isn't too bad. But obviously I'm looking forward to the return of, of the summer football and we're going to have a, a festival of football, football wall-to-wall. -wall. I'm not sure other members of my family are particularly looking forward to wall-to-wall -wall football. But it's been a bad week, therefore, for fans of... Uh, and clubs who were slightly towards the bottom of the Premier League, who, who desperately wanted the whole season to be declared null and void, because they're now going to have to have a bit of a relegation scrap. So not such a great week for them. And um, sorry to leave pharmacy for a short while, but it's 
I've been thinking quite a lot about football. I'm looking forward to the football, Richard. I'm looking forward to it coming back. Football's coming home. Football's coming home. It's, it's coming to your home by the sound of it, Rob, for 32 <laughs> consecutive days. Isn't it something like that? There's going to be so much football. Something like that. And, they, and you know, we, we, we're just working out whether we can, when they, on the times when they've got all four, ga- four games going on at once, whether you can actually simultaneously watch all four of them. Because I think we got in the house, we've probably got all the packages we need. That's going to be good. I'm looking forward to the, the crickets. Well, I said the cricket season starting, the international cr- cricket season starting, um, and that's going to be interesting to see how that how that is run inside all these bubbles and things, and with no crowds. Um, we've just had actually the ECB on a, on a cricket related note has just come out with their kind of guidance for for cricketers like me, club cricketers, and and it, it's it's couched in such a way that I, I I'm not sure that there's going to be any cricket for for your recreational cricketer this year. Unfortunately, there's seen so many hurdles that they got to overcome. So I'm I'm a bit pessimistic about donning the whites myself, but I am looking forward to seeing uh, England and the West Indies. Uh, but for me, back in pharmacy land, um, yeah, very bad week for Roland's Arthur. You're, you're right there, tied itself up in knots uh, with, with PPE for locums. But for me, it's been a bad week uh, for pharmacy flu jabs, or it could be uh, as we go forward into the season. Now, this has been one of pharmacy's big success stories for the last few years, I think. Um, over 1.5 million jabs were, were delivered in, in the last season, 2019-20. But the, the very thing that makes it a success, its accessibility, the convenience of it, walking in, no appointment necessary, etc. Well, all that risk being undermined when you take into account all the social distancing measures, the need for PPE, all the other operational things that are going to have to be put in place to protect the public and also protect pharmacists. So people are beginning to give this some serious thought now about how it's all going to work. And bear in mind that the next flu season is likely to be a, a, a really busy one. I read this morning that pharmacies in Australia and New Zealand saw a doubling of demand for flu vaccines at the start of their winter. And after all, we all know a lot more about communicable disease now, don't we? So it's clearly going to be a challenge. Uh, no face-to-face training this year, of course. Um, so you can only provide the service if you've done it in the last two years. And Simon Dukes has been talking about this this week. PDA has looked at it too. Uh, so there's a lot of work and a lot of thinking is, is going to be needed on this. And I think we're behind in the process anyway, because I don't think we've had the flu letter from NHSE yet or, or the PGD has been signed off. Uh, in, and that's the legal basis for providing the service. I'm, I'm not entirely sure uh, whether that's happened. I don't think so. But when you start to pull all those things together, uh, it's looking like it's going to be uh, difficult to provide the service on the the same scale as in previous years. And it's such a shame. I hope it doesn't come to fruition. I hope we can work our way through this. But, you know, as we report on all this stuff this week, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say, as Alan Sugar would say, with regret, it's been a bad week for pharmacy flu service. But I hope I'm wrong. So... That just about wraps it up this week. Unless anybody's seen anything uh, of interest out there on the uh, the wide world wide web, Rob, have you seen anything that's caught your eye? Uh, no, because I've been trying to avoid uh, watching things, particularly about the pandemic, because it just annoys me considerably, I, and I get more confused. I have to say, with what I'm supposed to do, I see the two meter social distancing thing now looks like it's up for grabs. I know that in other countries they haven't gone for two metres, but I just, you know, from from what was very clear back in March, uh, we now seem to have uh, 
you know people making things up as they go along with with what they fancy doing and the whole thing to me just feels a little bit confusing and I'm, I'm you know I just find myself getting slightly irritated by it all so I'm trying to avoid watching any of those I know Neil enjoys it because it gives him you know red meat for his next uh, <laughs> his, his next thought thought about things but I do you know, you know what I've, I've kind of switched off now and I'm I've, I've got the books out and I'm starting to do a bit of a uh, Bit of reading for light relief rather than getting stressed out about coronavirus. I do like the new thing. What's it called? Your your bubble of reliance or whatever. You can pick one household and 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 uh, and not such as. That's a good thing, but it's you know, it could be hard to pick the other household. Could tread on people's tread on people's feelings. Yeah, no, it's it is quite on a human level. I think you know that's a step in the right direction, isn't it? Uh, our, our, my uh, my mother in law, for instance, uh, at least I'm saying this. I think this is a good thing. She's now in our bubble, so she she can come round to uh, to Sunday dinner on Sunday. So I, you know, I think it's a good thing. You know, the lockdown is loosening. It's ragged. It's confusing. It can't be to me. It can't. It doesn't make any sense that you you the pubs are opening and the schools aren't. But it does feel you know all second wave you know notwithstanding and obviously we're all very cautious about that. But it it does feel as if we're we're coming out of lockdown and coming out to the back end of this crisis pretty quickly now. And and let's hope it uh, it's manageable and we don't get this second wave going forward. Anyway, thanks, chaps. That's that's just about it for this week. Uh, thanks, Arthur. Thanks, Rob, very much. A uh, quick reminder before we go that the pod is available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and all the usual download sites, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Just search for Pharmacy Magazine Talking Covid. So to play us out, we've got some music. Now, you remember last week, uh, Tony Schofield, pharmacist from the North East, sent in some, some wonderful music that he composed and played in. He's a great guitarist. He got such a good reaction uh, that we're going to play it for you again. we play a bit more uh, for you this week. Um, Tony's royalty demands, uh, uh, well, he's upped them, to be honest. Uh, after hard negotiation, he's now demanding two pints rather than the one. Uh, but thanks for that, Tony. And we'll be back next week. Thank you very much for listening.